Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. Good morning everyone to the next series of Build Back Better and today we're talking about skills and jobs of the future and we're delighted to welcome some guests from the education sector including Judith James from Swansea University. Hello. Paul Evans from World Skills. Hello. Jane Lewis from the Regional Learning and Skills Partnership. Hello. Mark Jones from Gower College, Swansea. Hi. Anthony Rees from Kefla Building Skills. I'm Zoe Antrobus from For the Region and this is my colleague Dawn Lyle. Hello, welcome everybody. Uh, we're really excited to be talking about skills and education and the jobs of the future today. It's a very uncertain time for many across South West Wales and perhaps more than most if you think about the young people that are emerging from college and university this summer. It must be a very difficult time to be starting to think about your new career in the climate of the COVID-19 pandemic. Many expect unemployment to rise over the next few months as we come through the pandemic and as the furlough scheme comes to an end. But on the other hand, some sectors are flourishing, maybe in growth sectors like digital marketing and health and social care, or in businesses that have been able to adapt rapidly to the new order of things. Um, and of course, even before we had the COVID-19 pandemic to deal with, the climate emergency is also presenting both challenges and opportunities for our region and for young people looking at their careers and future jobs. So as part of our ongoing series about building back better, we really want to dig in and explore the subject with some experts from our region around what we're doing across South West Wales to develop the skills and talents of people. And this is essential, not just from an economic development perspective to make sure we've got the skills in our region to grow new industries, but also from a well-being perspective that we've got jobs and opportunities for young people here in our region. And that's a key point. We're growing different industries and new sectors but we want young people from our region to benefit from those jobs and be equipped with the skills that they're going to need. So hopefully today's conversation will be an interesting exploration of where we think those opportunities are and what are the challenges facing the education and, and skills sector. The universities are a key economic driver for our region and especially in Swansea where students are a huge part of the local economy. And I wondered, Judith, if you could uh, start us off by just filling us in a bit about what's happening at Swansea University as we look towards September, October, the new academic year. Um, what's the impact of COVID going to be on student numbers and student life? Well, the university is going to be open and we're working extremely hard to make sure that it's safe. We're expecting the, um, a percentage of international students to arrive. But in fact, we've had a, a rise in applications from UK students. So we are expecting a, a large number of students to come in Swan to Swansea. In Wales, we have two metre distancing. So we, although we're going to be safer than universities in England, when they're working to one metre distance, there's a challenge to viability, as you would understand. But in fact, 
we're, because we're operating as two meter distance, I think we're going to be safer. And that's what we're going to need to, to get across to young people. It's really important that the university is working really hard to make sure students are safe on campus. And we also need to get the message across that the city is working really hard to make sure that they're safe in the city. I think in terms of student life, that's going to be supported as usual by the students' union, but also by, by the university itself on, on campus. But again, we need support from the nightlife providers in Swansea to keep the students safe, because that also keeps the community safe. There probably will be a boom in food delivery services. And I think that the socially distanced events will be extremely popular. I think in terms of the short-term impact on student numbers, I would expect that a proportion of the people who have become unemployed due to the pandemic will look at the excellent grant and support that's available in Wales from the Welsh Government for being a student in HE and will consider that as an option in order to retrain or upskill because if there's going to be a long period with a lot of people unemployed, being a full-time student during that time if you can resource this will actually bring you out in a stronger position at the end of it so so that's one thing that i think we can possibly see as an opportunity previously when there's been a large unemployment in one industry all the providers in the region have got together and provided a kind of task force to working with job center plus and careers wales to try and develop a response to this loss of jobs this is a slightly different position because we've got a lot of jobs across a lot of different sectors. And again, I think a task force would be a really good idea if the RLSP, for example, was to lead something like this. Thank you, Judith. Uh, Jane, tell us about the work of the Regional Learning and Skills Partnership. And I know you've been busy over this time uh, with a business survey. What have you been up to over the last few months? The skills partnership usually in, in normal circumstances would look at what the skills gaps are in the region, looking at what our businesses identify as, as uh, gaps then and what new opportunities are coming through City Deal, for example, or other big schemes that are, are operating across the region. And then of, we work with the colleges, the universities and the, the work-based learning training providers to, to develop the, the young people coming out of school to encourage them to, to follow those skill paths in order to, to get those trained people in our region, staying in our region and, and taking up the, the job opportunities that we have. Now, obviously, what's happening now is, is unprecedented and, and really we've had to look at, well, what what is the impact has been? Uh, so we've been talking to businesses about what the impact has been on businesses. And, and here, you know, you mentioned earlier in your introduction about some of the areas where we've seen growth and new jobs have been created. But other sectors then like tourism and hospitality, food and drink sector have really, really suffered because people, you know, obviously couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't go out to eat. They couldn't go on holidays. So you, the jobs then, there is a real difficulty in keeping people employed and most people were furloughed. But some of those have also moved into the healthcare sector. So when we do come out of this, we're going to have a problem in some of these sectors where people are thinking, well, do I really want to go into that sector because of the negative impact that this pandemic has caused some of those jobs? 
But some of the reports that we've been preparing on behalf of the region and for Welsh Government identify some areas where there are new opportunities and some of the new opportunities coming through from the City Deal projects that have been approved as well. So it is an exciting time, but it is also a very worrying time for young people who are coming out of colleges, universities, as to where they're going to get the jobs and and will there be jobs there that will pay the money that they need you know, to, to live in this area. Because we don't, we don't want to lose young people. You know, we've already got an economy that people are, are moving out to go to, to jobs and then they're coming back at a later age. Now, we want to try and stop that if we can. And hopefully, with what Judith has just been saying about the numbers of applications to Swansea University this year, you know, we hope that those young people will think of looking at this area as a, as a permanent area to, to live in. And we know from evidence that we've uh, gathered uh, that, you know, the number of houses that are being sold or potentially being looked at now for people moving out of the cities, coming into the rural areas. Now, you know, there are opportunities again. Again, there's a nervousness about this, but I think we have to look at it as an opportunity where people will set up their businesses here in South West Wales and hopefully offer more jobs in the future. I think that's a good point, isn't it? One of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic has been an explosion of home working and remote working. And it's potentially an opportunity for businesses to establish themselves in our region and people can work from anywhere. But it's also potentially a sort of a change of mindset. So young people may not have to leave the region to go and work in the global companies that they aspire to work in. But actually employers across all sectors are really considering the options for remote working, not just during the pandemic, but as a long term impact. Mark, I could bring you in here as principal of Gower College. Do you echo what Judith is saying about the need for a task force to look at what, how we respond regionally and, and what's happening at Gower College in, in preparation for opening up in September? Well, I'll start with, with the second one, Dawn. Guidance for further education, I think, is due out later this week. We've been working really closely with Welsh Government. Guidance for schools came out uh, a couple of weeks ago and we've been trying to mirror that. So as it looks at the moment, my feeling is that full-time students will probably be back in college for probably around four days next year. It'll be a very different college. They won't be walking around the campus. They'll be in classrooms. They'll probably be taking their lunch in the classrooms. They'll probably be shepherded from the bus bays. It'll be very different, but we think we can get the full-time students back in for around four days. And then part-time students, which may be apprentices, adult learning, will stay on a social distance basis uh, of probably two metres and that. That means that they'll probably been for no more than one day a week. But Judith that's absolutely right. The health and safety of, of the individuals and the staff is, is, is the most, most pressing concern. But I think that gives real opportunities. We're looking at redesigning curriculum. So we're putting in new programs on IT because you're absolutely right. There's going to be far more homework in, in the future. Youngsters have got to be far more technically savvy than maybe their parents are. Most of them probably are already, but we think there's a need to do more work there. And there's a need to explain the job market to them. I think there's lots of opportunities out there, but youngsters are going to have to be more flexible. They may have an idea of what they want to do, but there may be different routes of getting there. Maybe they need to do a sideways movement before they can move forward. Maybe they need to use the opportunities that current lockdown gives to do additional courses online to develop themselves as individuals. So I think it's crying out for youngsters to be more flexible and to look at different ways of getting where they are. 
But in, in relation to the question about getting a group together, I think that would be really useful. I still feel the picture is very volatile at the moment. Still a lot of organizations aren't quite sure what they're going to be doing. As I said, the guidance for further education is due out this week, so we're not at 100%. But I think as that clarity comes through, I think it would be just a useful opportunity to just sit back a little while and really put a plan in place of how we can best provide the information and the opportunities for those youngsters to get to those jobs, which I'm sure will still be there. Thank you. I'll invite anyone who would like to comment on this next question. What do you think are the most exciting sectors? Where is the ambition for this region in terms of growth sectors going forward? And this may have changed as a result of COVID, but I anticipate largely we knew already before COVID hit what our regional focus was. I think there are many opportunities. We've talked about digital skills and I think that is going to be one of the biggest areas because working from home, I'm sure it's been a challenge to quite a few of us, you know, between Teams, Skype and Zoom. And we're permanent, we seem to be permanently on these things at the moment. But we've had to sort of adapt to this new way of working very, very quickly. And businesses have also had to adapt to this way of working of not just having you know meetings like we're having today but also how how they're selling their business how they're selling their products and they've had to do more online sales and usually companies who've never even thought about online sales before and this is probably an area where if we were all sitting around here in a normal day we'd say well yes you'd need some training on that and you'd need to need to do this but we've, we've all had to learn it very very quickly but it's, I suppose what we don't appreciate is some of the you know we're only doing a very very small part of you know teams or zoom that that whole system can can actually run so many other things of benefit to your business and I think Yes, there will be a need for these very short training packages for some of these businesses to really get into the full swing of what you can do online for your business. And I know some, you know, Business Wales are offering some of these opportunities now, but for young people who are thinking of starting up their own business, and there's quite a lot of them thinking that way now, because they, see, they can see the opportunities. And of course, they're already used to work, doing things online because they, they're doing YouTube videos, they're doing Zoom calls. So they see this as a fantastic opportunity for them to develop their own business. I suppose it's just bringing everybody else up to the same way of thinking now, isn't it? Yeah, I think there are lots of opportunities for entrepreneurs at the moment as any big disruption creates opportunities and I often think that the the small freelance self-employed entrepreneur you know they are the business directors of the future those are the businesses that might be seeded during this time and as you rightly say young people have got a lot of these skills that businesses are looking for there are great opportunities for those with digital skills and if we can nurture those seedlings those will be the digital and creative agencies of the future so I think that's a really exciting sector. I think you also need to keep an eye on the, the city deal projects because if you look at them each in detail the underlying theme across all of them is about sustainability and the potential for new job opportunities in renewables and in any sustainable field from building and construction right through to wind and tide and power. So there's a huge range of opportunities there. And I think that the key thing I'd say to young people is to do their research and look at those city deal projects and see what sort of opportunities may be coming up in the future and maybe make a longer term plan 
gain lots of different skills to, to work towards that long-term aim. Zoe, you were involved in running an event a couple of years ago with young people to try and raise awareness of what the opportunities in our region are. Do you want to say a bit about that? Yeah, we ran an event a couple of years ago called Should I Stay or Should I Go, where we took 100 students from Gower College to the Liberty Stadium to show them the impact of what the City Deal project was going to bring to the area. And also we had some entrepreneurs, Dawn spoke about her other business I create, and we had some entrepreneurs inspiring them to think about the opportunities here on their doorstep. It was absolutely fantastic for them because they just hadn't been aware of it really. I mean, now two and a half years on or nearly three years on, now the projects are in place. The projects have developed a lot more. So it would be worthwhile doing that sort of event again. I'd put down as well, I was really glad that Judith mentioned the sort of renewable energy sector. We're involved in loads of conversations across the region about renewable energy and Southwest Wales has become a centre of excellence for renewable energy right from Pembroke to Port Albert and it's such an exciting time and there's I really think those are the jobs of the future. We live in a place where we ha we can use all the elements here in South West Wales. We've got the rolling hills and amazing tidal reach and we can use all the elements so I definitely think that the energy sector is a real growth area. Uh, we've had lots of food and farming conversations as well and I think we sort of need to bring back those instill that bit of pride in young people to think about food as a job career you know looking at that agriculture food and farming thing it's a real growth area we've realized that we all need to start looking closer to home for our food and I think we need to put that back into the education system to get kids thinking about different things. Is there also a lot of potential for retrofitting homes and building new homes that are sustainable and maybe Anthony could tell us a bit about that? Yes I wanted to bring Anthony in. Anthony runs the Kovler Building Skills Programme. Tell us a bit about that and about the construction sector. We normally take on about 70-75 shared apprentices every year in roughly about 10 different disciplines from traditional trades, carpentry, bricklaying. We also take on electrical plumbing and we've gone into the technical higher apprenticeship. So we've covered the range, good pathway from your level one programmes really to the higher. I was built over many years on a good foundation of collaboration with our colleges and SME contractors, main contractors and supported by clients. We've employed with 670 pences to date. We won't recruit 75 this year. It's too risky. We're cautious. We're a bit nervous. Not nervous, a lack of confidence, I think, within the market. We are concerned with a post-furlough workforce. But to be fair, the micro-industries kept going. They've kept going, really, throughout the pandemic. They've kept working. The larger contractors are, because of health and safety and constraints, they've been more cautious. So I would say they're back to 60-70% back with work. So I think that's... I, I sit on the Welsh Advisory Apprenticeship Board from that meeting a fortnight ago. They think there's going to be a big downturn in apprenticeships across the board. 50% may be a huge concern. But from the, from the construction sector, the meetings I've had of late with housing association clients, with new homes being built, there's going to be opportunity. So we're very cautious and a bit nervous at the moment. But even if we do recruit 50, um, and it won't be a September recruitment, it'll probably be an October, November recruitment. So colleges have got to work with industry. Uh, that It won't be a roll-on. It'll be more of a roll-on, roll-off that it may be... A, December, January, start it, a later date. But we are recruiting. We want to send a positive message out there. Fortunately, we won a, we won the Queen's Award last month for promoting opportunity. We had a, we, in collaboration with our partners, we won a million pound CIDB bid that'll start in January for work experience. So that's going to give opportunity. 
and there'll be job outcomes in that. So for cautious for the next six months, but very optimistic for when we do pick up, I think there'll be there will be opportunity and we will be having opportunities with us. What we'd like to promote, probably schools engagement, careers guidance. We think upskilling and reskilling will be a major factor moving forward. We see a lot of off site construction training opportunities and you know we want well-being and mental health to encompass all what we're doing we are in the process of creating a hub we've sent jane the rlp a proposal we've been in discussion with welsh government we'd like to create a hub for the region which will promote opportunities for people mainly young people a construction skills hub anthony do you want to say a yes. bit more about that vision what's what's the what's the thinking there I think the, especially the housing associations, we've got a new South Wales, Wales framework, but also we've got your Valley's task force, really. So you've got your smaller schemes that are going to come into the Almond Valley and Gwendrith and the region where people can pick up a £25,000 grant for a void house. And I know what the Deputy Minister said, that what he'd like is that with any job, really, doesn't matter how big or small, the skills is co- incorporated into any work. So if we can incorporate your small works of £25,000 plus into your city deals, it's amazing those small little jobs, if you can align skills to it, that'll create so many more opportunities for the region and for young people. So for me, creating a hub is going to be, let's chuck all the work in there and let's see if we can really, because in the collaboration moving forward is going to be critical. You can't silo working is not going to work if we want to create meaningful opportunities it has to be true collaboration moving forward because we need it we need each other and if we do that i think we'll come out to this in time we all know i think that there's quite a significant sort of skills gap in the construction sector and loads of opportunities for young people and the shared apprenticeships model has been exemplary the work that you've been doing with Kubler building skills and my understanding of shared apprenticeships is that a number of employers can share the responsibility for taking young people through the skills to get their qualifications. I think the the initial scheme was set up in 2007. It was set up really for a downturn because instead of having no apprentices in the region, at least by sharing that resource, you share the risk. I know Mark Drakeford spoke about it quite positively a couple of months back in the plenary. I think Welsh government may be looking at more maybe shared schemes. So I don't know, uh, but ours was built on a good foundation mine and, and a true collaboration. If you get the right people on the table, you can make anything work. It's not rocket science. I think Again, no silo work. You've got to work properly, work together, and share that resource, really. And, uh, you know, you can share the outcomes then and uh, the opportunity. Anthony, Brilliant. if you said some of the apprenticeships will be delayed in the autumn, if it, yeah. if it was a young person who left, left school this summer and was hoping for an apprenticeship, what would be your advice to that young person to do in the meantime before they had an opportunity for an apprenticeship? Should they go to college or should they try to get some work experience? You've got a lot of full-time learners who have finished the first year. What are they going to do next? They haven't had any work experience, most of them. So I think work experience is key. We will, you know, we'll take 50 on in this for this cohort. We would like some of them to have work experience, but some of the sites aren't going to take work experience yet because they're a bit nervous. The opportunity isn't quite there. And by, I think by setting up a hub or whatever, I think we can maybe, we can share that uh, bit of resource and we can share really the learning out, you know, the, the new learning maybe moving forward with, with maybe health and safety. And some companies are more cautious than others. A couple of months are going to be critical, but companies are open for business. You know, they are a bit more positive today than what they were a couple of weeks back. I know the housing associations, they are pushing our new bills or whatever. We've got some quite sizable projects with schemes of 50, 60 houses within our region. And quite a few of them are kicking off now. So I think there will be opportunity. I think youngsters, they've got to take time, 
put a good CV together. We get a lot of CVs that aren't fit for purpose. So I think youngsters need a bit of guidance sometimes, and mm-hmm. sometimes they haven't got it at home. But there's enough professional people out there and, and organisations that maybe spend a bit of time setting a good CV out. I think there will be an opportunity there. Maybe not today, but keep going, I think. And don't try one thing. Maybe you've got to be a bit more flexible on where you want to go. And maybe that first door doesn't open, but maybe if you try a few things, don't tie yourself to one occupation or maybe, especially in construction. If you want to be a bricklayer, well, don't be frightened of having to go a plastering or maybe uh, another trade. I think I'm a, we are more positive. The industry is more positive today than um, a couple of months back. Mm, that's good to hear. Mark, you yeah, mentioned... Yeah, I'll that's really in. important. I think Anthony makes a, a lot of sense there. I think the, the message coming through, isn't it, is for young people. It, there's a different market out there going forward. But what's happening at the moment is youngsters have a view of where they want to go. For many of them, it's A-levels, university, and they they push down that route. And there's plenty of other opportunities out there. But we need to spend the time with them. Students' curriculum, both at school and college, it's so full with other things that what we need to do, and, and we've got some dispensation from the government next year to reduce curriculum in some areas to focus on the skills that those individuals want, but then to supplement it with starting to teach them about what the market looks like, to help them put CVs in so they don't put rubbish ones in, to prepare them with interviews and to explain to them the opportunities that are out there and how they can do it. We don't do enough of that work. and As a result, students have a very narrow view of the path they want to go down, and there are plenty of paths to go down. Like a shared apprenticeship scheme, you know, you're fortunate if you get a place on there because it's such a high quality scheme. But we're too we're too narrow, and I think that's one of the reasons, one of the things we have to learn from this is we've got to spend far more time with youngsters explaining what those opportunities out there. Otherwise, they'll, they'll never find them. Do you think there's opportunity for the shared apprenticeships model to work? across other sectors. Yeah, I do. It's been looked at in a, in a, number, of, in a number of sectors. I think it's a fantastic one. You know, the idea of getting the opportunity to work not just with one employer, but with a number of employers, that, that's, uh, that's really fantastic, isn't it? And, uh, I always thought there'd be competition, I have to say, if you, you get a really good student and the first employer goes, well, I'll have him or her really quickly. But it doesn't, that doesn't seem to happen at all. Uh, the idea of having opportunities in three or four different employers, think what that does for a CV going forward. Well, I've worked here, I've worked there as well, I've done this, but I've done this as well. I think, I think it's a brilliant network. I think, like Anthony mentioned, micro-businesses. I think there's a perfect opportunity for lots of young people to gain experience with those micro-businesses. Lots of them have carried on through the whole pandemic because as everybody's been locked up in their houses looking at home improvements, lots of those uh, in the building sector in particular have carried on and been working. So I'm sure there's lots of places that young people could pick up a bit of work experience to add to their CV from lots yeah. of those micro businesses. You know, speaking as a, a small employer in the digital and creative sector, it's a big step to take on an apprentice as, as one small business and yeah. be responsible for that person for the whole period. But we've got lots of knowledge to share with young people and opportunities for young people to gain great work experience and in collaboration with people building up the skills in our sector and you know digital and content creation I I definitely think are growth sectors of the future but it's hard for small businesses at the moment the priority is just to survive the pandemic we need employers to be working with the region to invest in the skills of young people and so any way of sharing the risk and enabling collaboration seems really important. 
If I can just pick up something Anthony said, I think we need to look at putting the confidence back in the sectors. Yeah. And the confidence to recruit. And something, going back to my education days when I was teaching, Welsh Government, quite a number of years ago, they brought in what they call a pathway to apprenticeship programme. That was during the downtime. And potentially, unless we chop up now, and it's interesting what Anthony's saying, not looking at the September recruitment. I know a large companies are doing the same. They're now looking at deferring, taking on apprentices in September, possibly a January, March intake. Now, what are these young people going to do between September or between leaving school now? They can quickly become needs for our region. So I think, do Welsh Government need to look or do we need to lobby for some form of model based on the old pathway to apprenticeship model? Yes, it wasn't perfect, but if we can take that apart and recreate something, and I think the biggest thing with the pathway to apprenticeship, they were on a programme and they were on a full, full academic year. And in that, they had work placements, Anthony, if I'm correct, yeah. Yeah. They had to go on. I think the, if there was a new model which allowed those learners to go on to an apprenticeship during that programme, uh, that, that obviously providers weren't penalised for. Uh, it should be progression. Somebody going from a full-time provision onto an apprenticeship programme, whether it's January, February or March, is a good news story. And that, I think that was the downside of the old model, that incentive to go at that early stage. It was deferred till the end, um, where potentially we need to look at that. And first thing I wrote down, skills gaps have changed. I don't think the skills gaps have changed. We need to put confidence into the sectors. Those jobs are still there. They will be still there. What we've got is increased areas have opened up. So out of a, a bad situation, I think there's some positives come out of it as well. So it's interesting there, and the confidence we picked up on, and I think we need to look at some of the old things that are going to be done. And I think in England, they are rolling out some programmes now. They're starting to. So potentially there's lessons we can learn from there. Mm. As, is it something we should be doing? I'd love to see a pool of learners in uh, colleges like Gower, College of Gar, NPTC, Pembrokeshire, ready for the employers to come. Otherwise, the impact of this is going to be further down the line. Uh, and our skills shortages are going to increase tenfold if we don't get any get recruitment in place. I agree with Paul says 100% really, and I think it's pathway scheme really worked because the, there was work experience attached to the learning. If I sat in a task force or whatever, I think there's been a lot of learners who've been furloughed. They've lost a lot of time. I'd like to see workshops open in colleges on a longer basis and through half terms. I'd like to see the colleges open for longer, longer periods. If there was a task force and there was funding in place, I'd like for the next, next 12 months, I'd like to see the colleges open for the 47 weeks. I know it's going to be challenging. We need those workshops open because we need these youngsters to be skilled and have that skill and that opportunity to develop those hand skills for the industry. And I think, what's the point of having workshops empty when there's great facilities within our region? We've got some of the best colleges in Wales. And if the furlough, because the furlough's brought up really, it'd have been great that the workshops would have been available during this lockdown, where we could have had half a dozen learners going in and just to just keep their skills going. You know, nobody's pushed that, but I would say for the next 50, for the next year, could we have, could we work with Welsh Government and the Hub and whatever, so we, that we get those learners and get those learning opportunities. Doesn't matter if it's on-site, whatever it is, off-site, in college workshops, because the facilities are there. And it's a, it's a nice learning environment where it's not uh, too constrained, there's not too much pressure on them. I'd like to work with somebody, really, the industry would like to work with the, 
you know, as a hub maybe, can we develop something in Southwest Wales? We've got workshops there. Guys, let's utilise them. I don't care if they're open from nine in the morning or eight in the morning till nine o'clock at the night. What are, we've got to give these youngsters a chance, guys. And we've all got to work together. We need a bit more flexibility and a bit more innovation there. How can we use the facilities we've got in partnership? And, and get funded for it, isn't it? Why can't we pilot something? I think it's really important that we aren't just thinking about 16 to 18 year olds when we're talking no. about skills. Yeah. There are a lot of people at present who have lost their employment and we need to think creatively about how we're going yeah. to support them. Yeah, lifelong learning is a key theme, isn't it? And Judith, you've been very involved in, in Swansea as a learning city and, and the importance of, of lifelong learning. Do you want to talk a bit about that? I think it's, it's really important that we think about work in a different way going forward and maybe we do some visioning about whether work will go back to being full-time attendance in one place or even whether it will go, go back to being full-time and whether the future maybe looks a little different perhaps we're, we're looking at a future where people work for four days rather than five and need to fill their time with worthwhile pursuits there are also going to be some people, inevitably, who don't get back into the workplace. And there's, there's a huge divide at the moment going on between those who are engaged with society and with learning and with community and people who are feeling excluded and, and not part of the whole of the, the transition process back towards a new normal. So I think that lifelong learning has a really large part to play in this. Unfortunately, in the few years leading up to this, I think lifelong learning has, has been thought less of and it's been seen as less important. And I was quite encouraged during the pandemic to see how many people were actually signing up for online programmes and online courses and online outreach. And I think that it's really important that we're, we're ready to support that because people who are engaged with learning are generally happier, their mental health and well-being is better, and also their readiness to be flexible, to maybe take a new opportunity it is greater. So I, th I think it's going to be really important going forward. It's not just skills, but the, the whole of engagement really with learning. Paul, I'd like to bring you in to talk about the World Skills Programme that you're involved in. And what, what does that involve? I'm project director for the Inspiring Skills in Wales project. There's three pillars to that. One, as everybody knows, the World Skills is one of the best kept secrets. We watch the Olympics every four years, but little do people know every two years they get the Skill Olympics, where you get the best hairdressers, best welders, best aeronautical, some 60 skill areas, some 70 countries go head to head. My first experience was back in 2009, and from then I've become greatly involved. I'm quite proud to say uh, Wales are now punching well, well above the weight. That's thanks to the quality of delivery in Wales from FE and the universities across Wales are now flying the flag. And the last finals were out in Russia. They had a team of 32 out there, seven from Wales. You turn that back to 2013 with zero representation. So we're doing really, really well. Our next final is in Shanghai. And we've got 19 young people out of 95. Again, over 20%. Bearing in mind with only 5% of the UK population. So I don't have to say... But Southwest Wales are also punching above their weight. Um, we've got some real stars, some of you met them, uh, and we've now got the next generation coming through. 
So competition-wise, we're there. We've achieved what we want to do. We're striving for 25%. So the other two projects, we've t- pillars we've got, we've got the Have a Go initiative, which is a million pounds worth of equipment. We've got a depot in North and a depot in South. We've engaged with 72,000 young people in schools, really giving them a taster of what a career could be. Say that we've got virtual welders, we've got babies, we've got simulators, you can drive a lorry, drive a digger. We're now in the process, we're now going into phase three of the project, and we need to change that. It's very much like speed dating. So we're now developing workshops. We're now looking at the digital workshops where we can go in and deliver and leave something. And the new curriculum changes in schools actually lend themselves. We're working with the school sector, working with Careers Wales to make better use of the resources we've got. So the have a go is in a transitional period. Problems with it, uh, we've got about 40 partners, or 40 partners can't meet the demand. So we are rolling out, we're rolling out what they call an ambassador program, where we'll be training ambassadors. The first cohort for this year, we're targeting 50. So those ambassadors then could be past apprentices, past competitors, could be industry partners, would then go in and support with the delivery and why do they want to talk to an old person like me um, when they can get a 17, 18 year old standing in front of them that will sell their vocational area and hopefully that will help us to fill the skill gaps in our region. So the have a go side is there and the next part is skills competition Wales. We run competitions unique to us in Wales that we're quite proud of. Uh, there's no other region in the UK doing it and we're just about to roll out our next court. But again, COVID could well scupper that. So we're working on plans now to deliver more regional events, more in-house competitions uh, to keep the momentum going. Because although we've got Shanghai coming up in 2021, we basically got our young people which we're working with for that programme. Our next one is Lille 2023. We then, they're already in the education system. The impact of COVID will hit in 2025. And that's why I'm looking at, we need to ensure these young people that are leaving education, leaving schools, get the opportunity to pursue the vocational areas they want to. If we have a blip, or like Anthony's saying, a 50% downturn, that's going to impact us in 2050. So we're years away, uh, but that's when the true impact of it is going to come out. So those basically are the three pillars, but we are going to be making greater use of the likes of Phoebe, uh, Sam, Colette and Chris were the four competitors from Southwest Wales who, who went to Russia and, and they all came back with medals. So we've got some of the best skills in the world. But these young people don't just appear. We've got the best educators behind them as well. That's why we really got to nurture the talent that we've got. And it's a snowball. It's picking up speed. It's increasing in size. And we've got more and more partners continuously joining us. So it's a positive from our side. But we're monitoring COVID quite closely to see the impact of what we need to ensure that we get enough young people to work with. It's always inspiring to hear from the young people on the World Skills and the Skills Programme. You just realise how much talent and energy and ambition exists. And I think that's the challenge on all of us is to work together to raise the aspirations of young people of, and of everybody across our region. And the Have A Go initiative sounds like a great way of introducing people to career opportunities that they perhaps hadn't thought of before. Uh, it does truly impact the quality of teaching and learning as well. 
and I'm hoping Mark will come in here because we've been fortunate to be in Gower College and met Mark and his team a couple of times. And I'm hoping Mark will come in here to give us a bit more of what they've seen in Gower. Yeah, and then the, the skills they learn as well, isn't it? Because, you know, you, you take someone like Colette, young girl, hospitality and catering, she finds she has a real skill in it, and all of a sudden the world just opens to her in preparation for, for Russia. She also went to, to Hungary to compete in the European Championships. But in preparation, she spent time in Glen Eagles, she spent time in the Ritz in London, she went to Italy. She's incredibly employable. Absolutely. She hasn't got no, you know, no A-levels, but a vocational route, but anyone would give her a job tomorrow. And she's done that by just learning the skills of the trade uh, all the way through in highly competitive situations. These, these aren't just um, nice invitation presentations. They are highly competitive, and, and these youngsters are going to be on the top of their game. I think we've got five. We're doing our best, Paul. I think we've got five in the squad now for the UK. So we're, we're hopeful that you know, a couple of them can, uh, can get through and have the opportunities that, that Colette and others have had. It's a fantastic scheme, absolutely. I saw Colette speaking at the Regional Learning and Skills Partnership event last year. I mean, all the, all the um, competitors spoke, but Colette inspired me so much. Speaking about the hospitality sector with so much passion, I mean, she spoke so well anyway, but like really sold it as a real industry for people to get involved in, to use her as an ambassador, to sell it to the next generation again, younger than her. Oh, it's so, that would be so invaluable. It, she was absolutely amazing. She really sold the fact that the hospitality isn't just a stepping stone. I mean, it's a great valuable thing for people to learn because it gives young children today spend, spend so much time on their phones and their iPads and everything. Whereas hospitality sector pushes you to speak to people. It gives people that skill of communicating and speaking with people. And she portrayed that all so well last year. It was absolutely inspiring, as were the others. She developed as, a, as an individual too. So just one light-hearted moment. She was up in training. So she had to train in North Wales. And there was the VQ Awards in Cardiff one night. And Colette had been shortlisted for a list. Uh, for an award. So usually young girls, very young, potentially very nervous, arrives slightly late for the meeting with her suitcase. She's in, uh, this is a really posh dinner in the Cardiff Museum. She's in t-shirt and jeans. She's got a suitcase with her. She says, I'll be back in a minute, walks straight into the toilet, changes into her glad rags, <laughs> into the award ceremony, wins the award, says thanks to everyone, network, and all of that kind of stuff, puts her trainers back on and travels back up to North Wales that evening. Just so relaxed and confident and just what the skills competition has done with her as an individual is, is just absolutely amazing even, even more than her catering skills they just developed her as, a, as an individual lots of innovative approaches to education yeah. to learning to upskilling people to inspiring people and as judith mentioned you know not just young people but throughout life that the importance for all of us to be adaptable and flexible and have the sort of confidence to take on new things and approach new challenges and lots of ideas for a potential task force to consider in the in the light of the pandemic and the challenges I mean somebody said this week that we must make sure that young people of this generation don't carry the burden of this pandemic on their careers for the rest of their lives you know we have to make sure that 
the, the potential negative impact of the timing of this pandemic, that we don't expect young people to carry that throughout their lives, that we've somehow got to remedy the situation. And task force seems like a good approach because it's that coming together and then looking at how we can collaborate to really address those needs. And Anthony made the point, didn't he, about there are resources in the region that we could make better use of, and we've just got to have that emergency mindset to really step into the breach and support learners and people at all stages of their careers to upskill. I know a lot of organisations are offering free and fully funded training for businesses across the region at the moment as well and employers and businesses have got to be part of this haven't they they've got to be part of the mission to invest in skills across society for the future for their own businesses but also for the for the greater good and let's say we've got quite a lot of young people who are really keen on entrepreneurship and what would be really helpful to them would be a work placement with a very small company so that they can understand the wide range of roles that are needed in, in an entrepreneur. And I think that perhaps your network could, could help with this and, and come up with some ideas for how this can be experienced. Absolutely. I think there's great potential for that. If we can rally employers and some of the small entrepreneurial businesses across the region, it's win-win, isn't it? Because it's enabling young people to get into what it's like in a small business, how you grow a company, the challenges, the wide range. And I've always said to everybody that it's the only job, you know, the only job for me is, is entrepreneurship. It's such an exciting sort of career path. And we need entrepreneurs in all aspects of life, don't we? And, and, and it's also a, a key skill to have. That entrepreneurship is a skill that's transferable, whatever you end up doing and whatever sector you go into. We need flexible, adaptable, creative, innovative minds working across all areas of society and business. So I think involving small employers in that would certainly be something I'd be interested in in exploring aligned with the shared apprenticeship model as well how small businesses can work together not take on all the responsibility and risk themselves play that role in inspiring and opening up opportunities and new possibilities to people thinking about their future careers and if we can lead the charge in, in bringing employers together to do that i think there's a great opportunity as, as a learning city we focused on developing entrepreneurial learning throughout schools fe he and in some areas of lifelong learning so i think that the, there's a swelling demand for this kind of employment opportunity and really, we need to just guide it and hopefully root those new young entrepreneurs in our region because they're the people who will create the jobs of the future. So I think one of the key questions is how can young people best prepare for their future career? What should they be doing now? And what would our advice be to 16 to 18 year olds right now? OK, so I say, first of all, do your research and find out about things like the City Deal projects and what opportunities are likely to be available if you want to stay in this region. And secondly, I would say that if you intend to go into higher education, follow a subject that you have a passion for. And don't necessarily think, oh, I've got to do computer science because all the jobs are going to be digital. People in employment will tell you that very often what they studied in university bears no relation to the job that they finally end up doing. 
what it does is help them develop as a person, as an all-round person who's flexible, creative, able to analyse and, and understand the world around them and interpret it for others. So those skills are all transferable to very many different routes of employment. So, for example, somebody could have done creative writing as, as an undergraduate degree, but they may find employment in marketing and communications, where we've seen there's a lot of demand. Or they may do something completely different and go into renewables. You know, it's, there's, there's no direct correlation between what you study. But in this time going forward, in higher education, you're going to undertake a mixture of online and face-to-face -face teaching. And if you are truly motivated for your subject, you will find that exciting and attractive. If you're studying a subject just because you think somebody else has told you to do that subject or advised you to, because there's a job opportunity at the end of it, you may not have the motivation to see it through. So follow your heart. I love that. Fully support that. Go with your passion. Paul, if you had to give some advice right now, to a 16 to 18 year old standing in front of you, what would your advice be? Take the time to look at options. It's the biggest decision of the life. Wanting to get up every morning to go to work is, is a good thing. Hating getting up in the morning and go doing something you don't love. Uh, so you need to take the time, try different avenues. People, Anthony's spoken about work placements, etc. Volunteer to work in different sectors to see that you've got the passion and the drive to succeed. Because uh, the number of people that take a pathway and then end up ch changing pathways or taking another one, it's a waste of resource and it's a waste of time. So it's worth taking some time initially to make the biggest decision of your life. Thanks, Paul. Mark, what would your advice be? <laughs> okay, let's go for something uh, slightly different. I, I wouldn't exclude anything due to the important set. I think that, that youngsters need to be more flexible and more open. They need to take advantage of opportunities that are out there. That, you know, if we've got a lockdown situation, then learn something new, study something new. Find out as much information as you can and keep your options open. Uh, you may have an aim and you should be aiming high, but there are different ways of getting to that final point and be able to take advice uh, and guidance. And, and, and sometimes that can be lacking to allow that student to proceed, pursue their, their chosen career. But it's not as straightforward as maybe it was in the past. So be flexible and be open and stand out from the crowd. You need to show you're doing something slightly different, particularly if there's large numbers of people applying for university places or for jobs too. And one of the ways to stand out is to be yourself, isn't it? To, whether it's in your yeah. CV or in yeah. interviews, to be authentically yeah. yourself with the passion for what you love. And that does stand out, doesn't it, in, in candidates. Anthony, what would your advice to a 16 to 18 year old be? Again, pause a message. There will be opportunities. If it's not today, be patient, slightly be patient. and Make a real effort with your CV. Take your time on it. Somebody gave me a good tip last week on the CV. Put your photo on your CV, you know, make it different as Mark said, stand out so if you put your photo on your CV I've never seen, a, I've hardly seen that on the CV, so stand out, take a bit of time, talk to your friends and colleagues yeah, maybe somebody can give you a tip or whatever, on, uh, or be, give you a bit of guidance, and don't be fighting of asking for help there's a lot of help out there there's resources out there, I, I think a message for the, for the region really is there's a lot of deprivation out there too within our regions don't forget that. Not everybody will have the chance to go to HE. So I think we need to work together, we need to get a message out there. 
that there are opportunities for all within our, within our region. And there's help and support out there for them. So to reassure them really, that's a positive. And again, I think without all our resources, we can, we can give people a chance in life. Jane, I'm going to bring you in. What would your advice be to a young person now? Research is very, very important. But for me, in, in these times of uncertainty, I think it's, it's getting out there and talking to employers and trying to get that work experience. It doesn't matter if it's in the field that you're going to go and work in, uh, you know, forever more than a day, because that doesn't happen. You know, the average job life now, you know, within your lifespan is about 20 jobs in your, life, in your lifetime. So you can't say I'm going to start off as a, a carpenter and end up as a carpenter because you're not going to do that. So it's looking at what are the opportunities? What do you feel comfortable in doing? So getting that work experience, whether it be a volunteer, on a volunteer basis or just working in a shop, just to get that experience of being able to communicate with people because that is often the downfall that we face is the inability to communicate in the, in the way that employers want us to communicate. So it's, and you can do that so, so easily if you just take that step out of your comfort zone and get into that world of, of work in a timely fashion until you've decided, well, you're going to go to college, going to university or, you know, follow an apprenticeship. And it's, it's just having that chance, I think. And, and people and employers are out there willing to give people a chance, but you have to make that first step. They can't do that for you. Thanks, Jane. Zoe, you've got young teenagers in your household. What's your advice? Oh, exactly like everybody said, really. I think it's work, get some work experience and just put yourself out there is key. After I did my BTEC in business and finance in Gower College, I went around festivals and sold burgers for a year. It really put me on a path to doing something completely different. It was absolutely a brilliant experience. So don't be afraid to just try anything and just put yourself out there and that experience then that you can put on your CV shows that you haven't been just sitting through COVID or sitting waiting for that ideal job to come along you've been active and getting out there my stepson is on an apprenticeship at the moment and he just absolutely loves it he's been able to work through it's about gaining that experience one of the things I've learned over the life of, of being particularly being a small business owner is that the things that you're frightened of, the things that seem outside your comfort zone and really daunting, those are the things you have to throw yourself at because it's only, that's how you learn, isn't it? It's those experiences that put you outside your comfort zone, that challenge you to do something new. You look back a couple of months later and think, oh, why was I so nervous about that? Then you've added a new skill to your skill set. So I always look for the things that make me nervous, look for the next frontier, that the next challenge, because I know in doing that, that I'm growing all the time and I don't know even now what, what path I'm on, where it might lead, what I might be doing in 10 years time but I do know that I take it all as an adventure and a journey. I think we've had a great conversation today and there are some really practical actions that could arise out of this. One is employer engagement. As Judith was suggesting, For the Region could play a role in bringing together our members and our network who are employers in this region. So do get in touch with myself and Zoe if you are a regional employer and would like to be part of the conversation, collaborating for skills, inspiration, mentorship for young people across the region. 
Anthony talked about the creation of a hub, a construction skills hub, and how we keep young people engaged in their apprenticeships and education during this challenging time and better use of the resources that we have across the region. He wants Mark in Gower College and all your colleagues to be opening up all year to create space for young people to have access to those facilities. And I think there, there's something in that about how we rally all our resources. And the creation of a task force, you know, perhaps today's conversation is the beginnings of that and Jane and Judith can take that forward but I certainly think the more we can work together to firstly identify you know what's changed and what do we need to be doing and then collaborate strongly across the region we've got a great track record some exemplary work already happening we need to scale it up and roll it out as a matter of urgency to make sure that learners across our region aren't adversely impacted for the long term and that we can build back better build a region of fulfilling inspiring exciting work and job for everybody and everybody's got their niche and we must celebrate that individuality of different people doing what they want to do and I think the message as always is that our region needs you the future of our region is in your hands it's in all our hands and we must work together to create that flourishing future for some of the deprived communities across our region and for those young people with the highest aspirations the future is in all our hands on that note I'd like to thank our guests very much for joining us today and look forward to feedback from our audience. Thank you very much for listening. Let us know what you think about skills and jobs of the future in our region and get in touch with myself and Zoe if you'd like to be more involved in this conversation as it goes forward. Thank you all very much for joining and bye for now. Bye. Okay, see you all. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody.